0: Monitor, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman. Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've taught me, guys. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlife podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. It's episode 90. Somehow, <laughs> somehow we got here. Yes. Because it's been yet another hell of a week, as you can tell by that horking into the microphone. Amanda's sick I again. Try to
1: move a head away from it.
0: I know, but there's no escaping the horrible biological sounds that erupt from your noggin whenever you're sick. It's, it's true. It's, it's 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 enough to make someone scream Armageddon. It sounds <laughs> like the klaxon alarms indicating a nuclear apocalypse. Just terrible sounds. You
1: say the most romantic things. It's to like me. a
0: zombie apocalypse erupting from your sinuses. It's. I love you too. Uh, I. I've made my living at certain points of my life with loud rock and roll going into headphones, but the reason I've lost my hearing is the horror that just <laughs> explodes from your skull when you're sick.
1: We we did uh, actually test it, and it's like ninety decibels worth of awful.
0: It's really yeah. When it, whenever Amanda blows her nose, like on the, I can I can hear it outside when I'm taking the trash <laughs> out. When I'm on the phone with my folks, everyone stops talking just in case it's the elephant attacking. <laughs> It's just. It sounds like I'm calling moose. Uh, the day. <laughs> no, it sounds like you're a moose in heat. Just <laughs> oh, screaming. Jesus. Screaming for moose dick or something. I don't know. How, I'm not a biology major. Well, I
1: guess that trip to Aroostook County is out now. <laughs> what,
0: what am I, a botanist? What's in Aroostook <laughs> County? Moose. I don't want to go there. Because <laughs> they'll come after me yeah. after hearing you. It's. it's you just, Got my woman! Oh God, it's <laughs> it's terrifying. I've it, for 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 a compact woman, you make sounds that fill the world. Yeah, so I'm
1: I'm, I'm a noisy bitch. What can I tell you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you picked the right. Uh, this isn't an occupation. Nobody's paying us. Avocation, <laughs> hobby, whatever. Sideline. Yeah. So Amanda's been sick. It's been another weird uh, week at the day job. And Jesus fucking Christ, don't buy a house. <laughs> don't do it it's, we're we're two weeks from closing so yeah we're, we're just going to flat out announce now there is no way in hell there's going to be an episode on uh, what is it November 2nd yeah uh, yes we're moving into the new home office on October 30th we're probably not going to have any kind of internet access at that point uh, if there's any way we can work it out we'll do it but just assume we're going to be dark that week while we try to take all our earthly belongings out of boxes and figure <laughs> out where the new studio is going to be in the new home office but yeah, I mean, as we go up to it, it's just, it's a never, last week I complained about, oh yeah, they want this one specific document from this thing that you have to sort of hunt down. It's a week later, and I wish it was that fucking situation, because <laughs> now it's, yes, we need uh, an insurance document. Okay, which one? An insurance document. Well, yeah, but there's lots of, and we need it by Tuesday. But there's lots of documents. Is it this one? We need an insurance document. Who the fuck do I add? I've called my insurance company. I've called my insurance agent. I've called the mortgage broker. I've gotten everybody except the particular underwriter who said they need a document of some fucking kind. Nobody seems to know what the hell I want. I'm sending every insurance document I've ever seen in my life (laughs) over to this fucking bank, hoping that it's the one that they want.
1: I think at this point, maybe you should just photocopy your
0: ass said that it can't make it any worse <laughs> I mean, it's yeah and and the demand came in the email was sent at 1201 a.m on saturday so this person like worked late went without sleep to ask me for a thing that's not specific in any way
1: and and, it, and has not responded to any subsequent emails
0: yeah well it, it's the weekend and besides she worked late to fuck up my weekend whatever <laughs> it's just need. Would, would I'll get all the insurance you want. Uh, look, if you've ever bought a house, you know, the deal is that, you know, they say never sign anything without reading it. The sheer volume of shit they put in front of you, the only explanation they need to get. Why do I need to sign this? Well, you don't get the house if you don't get it. Then I'll sign whatever the fuck you put in front of me. All my shit's in boxes. I need a place to sleep tonight. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, an insurance document. Some form of dwelling coverage. Uh, okay, I got all kinds of coverage. Coverage porn. I can shoot a, I can shoot a clown in the face in my half bathroom if that situation arises. I'm covered. It's fine. I can then set him on fire and burn that half of the house down. It's all covered. Just, just give us the house. Just tell me what you fucking want. Just tell me what you want and I'll give it to you. I'm a broken human. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> but two months of let's make the house look pretty so some dupe will buy it. <laughs> Up to, send me a document. Just a document. I don't know what it is. I'm not even making sense at this point. That's okay. okay. None of this situation makes any sense to me. It's just, it's going to be broken down and shattered. I want the zombie apocalypse. Then You want a house? If you can clean it out, it's yours. Set up a defensive (laughs) perimeter. That's all you have to do. You don't have
1: to find insurance documents in the zombie apocalypse.
0: Exactly. You need a shotgun. (laughs) Be able to keep the winos away. Her machete. That, that's fine, too. The axe. Whatever. If you can keep people from kicking the door down, that door is yours. <laughs> praying for the zombie apocalypse at this point.
2: Uh,
1: can they? Can, can it happen some subsequent weekend? I'm, I'm not feeling great.
0: <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter. I can't run from it anyway. Not at this point. <laughs> I was so broken yesterday. I was like, okay, it's the day drinking, which certainly didn't help.
1: Well, I mean, you know, when you start with breakfast at 1 o'clock in the afternoon and, and kick off with, at least you, you kept it to stout.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. It was a good day of Guinness. Relatively low. Not too filling. A lot of people say they drink Guinness. They get, you know, oh, it fills me up. No, you don't know what you're talking about. You're just scared of the dark beer. <laughs> it's good and good for you, and it's lighter than most regular American beers. You could drink it all day long.
1: Yeah, unlike the Cabernet Sauvignon that I drank all day.
0: Well... <laughs> I needed to keep myself in tip-top shape in case the phone rang and it was some lawyer saying, I need you to scan something or else you're homeless in two weeks.
1: Yeah, I didn't really have that constraint yesterday.
0: Yeah. You're welcome. Thanks. You need me on this wall. I do. I do. (laughs) (laughs) But no zombie apocalypse. But no zombie apocalypse. There was on television. Yes. We watched it. And thank God for it, because as we said before, with everything going on, thank God all the comic book shows have their... Have their debuts in the next couple of weeks. Yes, it's lazy and I feel bad always, you know, oh, it's another show. Once we get settled in, we'll go back to more comic book news. Like The the big thing that that turned out to be nothing over the weekend was I saw all over Twitter. One of the comic book sites had a uh, rumor unattributed saying that Marvel Studios had gotten the rights to Fantastic Four back from Fox in exchange for Fox getting the rights to do X-Men on television. And everybody get excited. And I saw people on TV going, This means we can get the Kree Skrull War. Like the the Infinity War is not going to suck all of Marvel Studios resources for the right. next three years. Right. It turns out it was uh, bullshit. Uh of newsarama, it was. I think, to the story saying, Yeah, we asked people from both Fox and Marvel Studios and said, Yeah, no such thing.
1: Yeah. I I don't see it happening anytime soon. They seem to want to Fox seems to for whatever reason, want to continue to hold on to the the Fantastic Four despite the fact that every single
0: one of the movies is sucked. It's It gives them negotiating power. <laughs> They're not just going to give it back even though they can't seem to make a movie out of it that anybody wants to see. God knows we haven't seen it yet. Yeah. that, that I'll, I'm not even going to wait for Blu-ray. I'll wait for cable. Yeah. Let it just burble into the house under its own filthy power. <laughs> I don't want to have to go out and get it. Right. But... Yeah, it's as long as they hold it, they could say, "Well, what are you going to give us in exchange for it?" Um, nothing. I got nothing. You, you just hold on to them. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, even Sony—they, you know—while we liked Amazing Spider-Man too, it certainly didn't do very well. But Sony got some concessions out of Marvel, you know, co-production and splitting some of the costs to do another movie, and so you can get something out of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, given given their druthers, uh, Marvel would prefer to get the mutants back. Over the Fantastic Four, and since that's not likely to happen anytime soon, they're they're just gonna let it sit there at détente.
0: <laughs> I don't know what they would do if they got the mutants back. They've spent the last couple of years trying to build up the Inhumans so much, right? And doing that push with everything. If they suddenly got the mutants and be like, uh, "Now what do we do?" Yeah. <laughs> particularly Hugh Jackman. He's. I'll do one more. Oh, now we do not have Wolverine. What will we do? With this.
1: Yeah. Uh, spin.
0: <laughs> you no know what the rights for Fantastic Four back just have a lawyer call Marvel up and say uh, we need a document. Well which document do you We need a document by Tuesday. God damn it. <laughs> which document? So So yes, we're cheaping out by talking about the television show. It's going to happen for another couple weeks, but we'll we'll get back more into hardcore comic book news when we know where we're going to be living on a day-to-day basis. Yes. So
1: Apparently in the meantime we have to find a document. Yeah.
0: So Walking Dead premiere uh, last Sunday, uh, which uh, you've watched a couple times, yep. and I got all the way through. Because, yeah, after we did last week's show, I got through half of it and just fell asleep on the couch. It's been that kind of life. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, and, and to cop to it, it was good to see the original one come back. Uh, we
1: we got through about half of Fear the Walking Dead before yeah. we were distracted with other things.
0: Yeah, I mean, the first episode was not too bad. Um a lot of the characters I wanted to kick in the taint, but you want to do that to like most people you meet anyway. I'm not a very social person. You're not uh, that is the truth. So, but yeah, we we never quite got all the way through it. Um, the, we the, will. The kid who all... wants
1: so badly to be either James Franco or Johnny Depp or or their love child. Just uh.
0: oh yeah, just the the cleanest, healthiest, most glowing looking junkie. Yeah. Uh, anybody's ever seen with the best quaff. Yeah, <laughs> a perfect hairdo. Go shoot Smacky, Mo Kid, and get eaten by a zombie.
2: Yeah,
1: um, but so, we'll 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 get back into it at some point.
0: Yeah, so it's it, it's good to be back with with the original crew. I
1: feel like they did Fear the Walking Dead to remind everybody how awesome The Walking Dead was. No, they did
0: Fear the Walking Dead for money.
2: Well, that The too. Walking
0: Dead they can't produce all year long. After a certain point, uh, everybody <laughs> has to lie down and rest. Even Eugene's mullet will grow itself out to a certain point. <laughs> they, they need to take a break and come up with new practical effects and storylines.
1: And and what a what a what an episode to come back on. The the premiere of season six. Oh. The, the the parade warning. Uh spoilers. Oh yeah. We're,
0: <laughs> we're gonna spoil the, the hell out of this. Um,
1: <laughs> this tremendous parade of zombies uh that they put together in order to lead them away from Alexandria. They, they were in a quarry. They were found in a quarry. The, the question has been, how has Alexandria been safe for so long? Um,
0: Besides, you know, dramatic license.
1: Yeah, and it turns out that all of the zombies have been gathering in this quarry. Uh, the sound of of them uh, wailing and gnashing their teeth draws other ones. And so it's, it's, it's like this magnet of, of zombie suck in. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, it's reached a critical mass. a a singularity
1: yeah so uh they rick gets this idea that they will lead the zombies away but the problem is the residents of alexandria have uh no real training um soft as rotted fruit actually
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah Uh, they they are uh me in the zombie apocalypse (laughs) if i could somehow keep them keep the zombies away from the door for a year or two and just pretend it's not happening yeah you know, or if the zombie apocalypse happened all at once and it was just zombies everywhere, yeah, they are me. Useless and unable to take care of myself. And I don't even have, you know, half of these guys are bullshit posturing. Oh, we could take it. No, I'd be fetal. Yeah. No, nope, let them come for me.
1: <laughs> so this sets up um, a dynamic in which Rick is challenged by a member of the community named Carter who doesn't like Rick's um, killing ways finds him to be more of a threat to the community than a help see
0: i i think it was more i I could kind of i thought that was a pretty well done that sort of back and forth dynamic because i think it was less you know oh i don't agree with your and i think it was more a case of who the hell are you to come in here and say these things about us and tell us to do these things right you know, it's I thought it was a relatable dynamic above and beyond the zombie apocalypse. It was just, you know, imagine you're at a job and a new boss comes in and he's like, we're going to change how we do things. And we just haven't been efficient. And the, a natural reaction might be, who the fuck do you think you are? You
2: just uh, got here.
0: <laughs> I've worked here for X, and <laughs> we've always done it this way, and I'm going to badmouth you to human resources by God, except human resources in the zombie apocalypses. I'm going to sneak up on you and hope you don't hear me while I piss my pants with terror and then shoot you in the back of the neck.
1: Yeah, yep. <laughs>
0: uh, I call my pistol human resources. <laughs> <laughs> um, But it's... a uh, the other reaction that other people in the community, like uh, Rick's former potential girlfriend, I forget the character's name. Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, Blonde to, chick. to Yeah, to use Chris Hardwick's term on Talking Dead, porch dicks, wife. Right. Um, and Ron's
1: mother. Yeah.
0: Ron the weasel child. Yeah. Ron Weasel. <laughs> <laughs> no Hogwarts for you, fuckface. Yeah. Take that scally cap fucking beanie, whatever the fuck is on your head off, and quit moping. Yeah. Your dad was a dick and deserved to suck the pipe. Exactly. But but yeah, I mean, she clearly has, okay, I've embraced the new normal, and I've gotten myself a pistol, and I'll learn how to do things. Yeah, it's it's just like if, yeah, okay, I, I got a new boss. I can either bitch right, you know, or I can say, all right, well, let's see if there's anything to it and try to get along. So to exactly. me, that was pretty relatable because you know, in my line of work in computers, yeah, people shift in and out, and there's new bosses and new teams all the time. So I, I got where that was coming from, and I've been both. Okay, fine. Let's see how this is gonna go. Let's try real hard and fuck you, man.
1: And I think it's important to to kind of remember it as being that dynamic because the audience, it, speaking from my perspective with it, is so con- conditioned to be. No, Rick's Rick is always right. Wh- who are you to challenge Rick?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> Rick is the one that we've followed. So this guy just it, he looks like just a malcontent who deserves to die. And make no mistake, he deserved to die yeah he existed there only they should have just called him thomas because he's (laughs) just there to doubt whatever the fuck rick says and they should have just put him in a red shirt yeah and (laughs) he's there to just complain and bitch and doubt and die because of it to show that rick is right yeah but with that said there was a dynamic there that i was able to hook into whether the writers and producers really intended it or not so that really worked for me didn't make me cheer any less when he got bitten on the face (laughs) <laughs> or when Rick gave him the shiv in the back of the neck to shut up his panicked fucking sh- shriek shrieking. hole. Yeah.
1: But... My face, my beautiful face. <laughs> shut up, you're drawing zombies. My
0: face. As I was watching that sequence with the guy on the ground shrieking and Rick saying, you have to be quiet, you have to be quiet, I'm like, wow, somebody watched the last episode of MASH. Good work, <laughs> Carter. You're both the baby and the chicken. Jesus. Wow. <laughs> Uh, tell me that you you saw that ep- the, that episode of MASH. Yes, yes. Uh, tell me that doesn't remind you of it. You shot that... Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. Although Rick will be unlikely to whimper to Dr. Sidney Freeman.
1: <laughs> it was a baby! Um. Well, it, it set up, though, this continued theme of whenever Rick kills somebody, Morgan is right there looking judgmental.
0: <laughs> well, I mean... All right, so let's take a step further back beyond the specifics of Carter and yeah, we left the end of last season. That's literally where we left it. Yes, it's uh, Rick got. uh, Oh Christ, I always forget who's in charge of the community. Deanna, Deanna. um, her okay to shoot porch dick. Yes, sorry, Hardwick man, it's too good. I'm stealing it.
1: (laughs) Um, because because porch dick had just shot Reg, who who is Deanna's husband. And he was the architect responsible for designing the wall defense.
0: Right. But literally where we left it was, okay, this thing happened. Morgan walked in. Morgan had no idea what he was seeing. It was very much a potential for everything to erupt into chaos at that point. Right. And we come back into this season and everybody's trying to work in this quarry with this massive... Really impressive visual of just a huge number of walkers. And it's, it was really good for me on a, for a couple of reasons to, okay, we're opening back up and it's the zombies are a huge threat. Yes. Now it felt, okay, now we're back to the really cool shit of Walking Dead.
1: Well, and, and to also serve to remind the humans that the zombies are the threat. So they need to stop with whatever petty issues are burbling up amongst the community and pulled together.
0: Well, human versus human is always going to be a huge part of Walking Dead. Yeah. It has been in the comic. It's going to be here again. But it feels like it's really been far more front and center the last couple of seasons, which on one hand makes a certain amount of sense. If you take a step back from a zombie apocalypse, if you assume the reality of zombies as has been set out in the world of The Walking Dead, that, yeah, the vast number of the dead... Have been rotting and becoming less threatening over time.
1: Well, that was the thing that sort of struck me looking at the the horde of zombies in the quarry. I'm like, they're in pretty good shape. <laughs> Some of them. I mean, I mean, they're all in various states of decay, but you would think if they're going that long without any kind of food source, that
0: they would be somewhat further along with their decay yeah but the food thing using people as food the only time i've ever seen that really addressed in any kind of satisfactory way was in max brooks's world war z where he flat out said it's based on what studying they've been able to do it's just some kind of compulsion they don't take nutrition from it okay they're dead Their metabolics are done, and if you see a zombie that has been able to kill and eat enough people, their stomachs will burst, because there's no digestion going on, it's just they're stuffing their face. It appears to be some kind of compulsion, perhaps a compulsion in order to... Extend the virus because World War Z not equal to The Walking Dead, but that's the only.
1: No, that's actually a very good point. So I yeah, when in doubt, uh, refer to Max Brooks.
0: <laughs> well, it's a, this is not necessarily the same mythology at all, but it's, it's the one time throughout anything from Romero all the way until now when it's a, when it's a real zombie Walking Dead story addressing why the fuck are they eating people?
1: Yeah, see, I. I I tended to think about it more in terms like 28 Days Later where – and granted that was not necessarily real zombies because they were fast moving and there was the potential for
0: cure. Um, well, that's – in the zombie genre, that was yeah. definitely a zombie movie. Was it really a zombie movie? No. The, the infected were alive. Right. And when you shot them – Enough times anywhere they would die
1: like right. anybody. That's why I'm saying it's not really the same kind of zombie. Right. Um, but they demonstrated that if they don't have a food source, then they slow down and eventually die.
0: Because they're just people. People. Yeah. And that's the same thing with people, babies, chickens, <laughs> <laughs> puppies, larva. If you don't eat, you, you die. You die. But the dead don't need to eat. Yeah. So The
1: dead are merely compulsive eaters, apparently.
0: Based on that one thing from a completely different universe worth of zombie stories.
1: Life dumped them, so they need brains to fill the hole.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know, brains, Ben and Jerry's, whatever. (laughs) It's all the same shit. (laughs) Either way, you're not showering very much. (laughs) You're not helping your own case. No, no. So I, I didn't take that as i've never at least in the kirkman/ slash, uh gimple tv walking dead said oh if they're not eating that's why they disintegrate they're disintegrating cuz they've de- been decomposing they've been dead for 2 years yeah um in real reality after dead for 2 years yeah their stomachs have all exploded and they can't move
1: but <laughs> well yeah i mean that's the other piece too right so they're they're in this quarry um it's it's georgia or in this particular case outside of washington but they so there's still a fair amount of heat and humidity and they're trapped in this space, you would think that would speed up the decomposition.
0: Oh, you'd think that and you'd think uh, black flies just chewing at them and wild dogs going by eating at their faces or whatever. It's <laughs> yeah. Look, in for a penny, in for a pound. The dead are walking. If you're okay with that, you got to be okay with the rest of it. But my original point was just, you know, I don't think... The fact that they weren't eating meant, oh, they're in pretty good shape for for that. Yeah. I took it as some of them would be, yep, they were turned right during the, the the initial apocalypse of the time frame of Fear the Walking Dead. Yeah. And some are, yeah, man, we were trying to get to Washington, D.C., and a zombie bit me, and now I walk to where the sound is. Right. So some would look better than others. That's true. That's the one really smart thing that Kirkman did with Walking Dead right from the beginning was the the nature of whatever this is is once you're dead bitten or not you become a zombie because that means the the numbers are constantly replenishing yeah which you don't get in the romero ones no, eventually that's true. you'd hit a critical mass and they'd start to disintegrate and humanity could reestablish itself if they just waited long enough and you don't get that in kirkman's world cuz doesn't matter bit or not <laughs> if you're alive you're coming back dead
1: right coming
0: coming back from the dead. Coming back from the dead. Yes. Yeah. Everybody comes back dead. Eventually. I guess. But yeah, it was just—it was really refreshing to me. It's, oh, yeah, huge zombie horde. This is a zombie apocalypse story. And after all the events of, you know, think of last season where we opened up at Terminus. The problem was not the zombies. The problem was these cannibalistic Humans. spastics. Yeah. Now, and Fear the Walking Dead where, again, we only got through the first couple of episodes. But uh, a zombie here and there. Yeah, It's good to see the damn zombies again. I think that's part of why I couldn't hook into Fear the Walking Dead as much. The first thing you saw in the first episode of Walking Dead was a policeman shooting a little girl in the face. (laughs) That makes a fucking statement.
1: It does. We saw a
0: junkie looking for another fix and seeing some girl in her panties chewing on a guy. (laughs) That's like, okay, this is not The Walking Dead. This is a spinoff. Right. It's not Happy Days. It's Laverne and Zombie. (laughs) Laverne and Zombie. (laughs) So it was just good to, oh, okay, this is a flat-out zombie story, but still done well enough and written well enough. The interpersonal conflicts were all there, and they were writ large, but all within the context of, yeah, and we have to deal with these zombies, and with visuals, my god, the visual of Daryl almost walking his motorcycle over the hill with thousands of zombies following him just ten feet behind. If there
1: was any question that Daryl had just a set of stone balls.
2: Just to- yeah,
0: yeah. Just all right. I'll be on my motorcycle with all these things going on. It's, I would say that's the most striking visual this show's ever done. Yeah, and it was 15 minutes after. Okay, a quarry full of zombies. Also, the most striking thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so getting into to some of the other developments that came out of this episode, um. Ethan Embry's character Carter, did eventually die because Rick had to put him down, but Rick did have the opportunity to kill him earlier and chose not to um and his rationale was there are some people that are just not prepared to live in this new world, and they're they're gonna get themselves killed one way or the other i don't I don't need to be the one to do it
0: yeah it's <laughs> i'm I'm not entirely I'm not entirely sure what they're doing with Rick here one- one thing. All right, to get really high into the episode, I think an overall theme of the episode that was addressed in a bunch of different places, and feel free to argue with me about mm-hmm. this, was the nature of civilization and law and morality and how it means whatever people in a group under a particular cer- of cer- set of circumstances need it to mean right at that moment. Okay. I mean, right at the end of last season, you know, Alexandria, no, we're civilized people. Yeah. Right up until Deanna's husband gets shot by Porch Dick. Now the rules have changed. Now it's okay to execute the guy with no trial.
1: Yeah. And furthermore, to not give him a proper burial.
0: Well, and yeah, but even in that, number one, what does that serve anybody? (laughs) I mean, seriously, we, we won't have a. And Morgan hit it on the head. It's a, we won't have a killer buried in here. Well, I'm a killer, Rick, and so are you. But under this set of circumstances, with these people right now, we're the law, and what we did was okay. And we're not going to bury him here, and Rick clearly means, yeah, to chuck him out in the crick, or whatever. (laughs) But even then, Morgan, okay, nope, I'm going to bury him. And Rick's initial reaction is, no, let's just leave him here, this isn't right. Until Ron... The dead guy's kid sees it, and now suddenly it's, oh, well, it's important to do this because we're civilized people. Right. It's all about circumstance.
1: Well, I don't even know if he was doing it because he wanted to demonstrate that they were civilized people. He he wants to lay into the kid's mom.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which I had forgotten about until I saw the kid's mom again. But (laughs) that is potentially a completely amoral act in that case, and trying to act like the kid's father when he shouldn't. Yeah. But... I took it as, okay, under these circumstances, now suddenly this is the right thing to do. It wasn't ten minutes ago, but now it is. Yeah. Uh, Down to, uh, yeah, Carter is railing against Rick. He's a killer. He'll get us all killed. We have to kill him. And Eugene comes in, and Carter's ready to kill Eugene. It's like, oops, I got to kill an innocent guy to keep my people safe. Right, and then Rick comes in, and when he's ready to do it, he is he going to be a better person? I really got a lot in this episode of morality and law is all about circumstance. Yeah, and circumstances right within the episode would change, and the rules would change.
1: Well, and the rules would change. For example, Rick making the comment to Morgan that he doesn't take chances anymore, which is why they were keeping Morgan sort of contained rather than letting him just live in one of the houses initially. Yeah. But then Morgan points out later on when Ethan and not Ethan, um, his name is Carter in, in the episode. Yes. And the others are are out there getting prepared for the, the zombie parade when they're beset by some walkers. He's like, all right, you guys have to try to fight them. That's reckless. Morgan says, you know, I thought we weren't going to take any chances anymore because everybody freezes like deers and headlights as the zombies approach. And then Rick and the others realize that they're going to have to step in because, the civilians are not prepared to
0: defend themselves. well, it was Morgan that led the charge. He was the first one to go right, and he told Rick thought we don't take chances anymore, remember
1: yeah, but I think the the, the look I saw on Rick's face at that point was it wasn't a chance either they're going to sink or they're going to swim if they'd been eaten, then we would have we would have killed them and then we would have continued the work. These people are expendable
0: yeah, but but even then there's there's rules and morality and rules that are d- different and change. Morgan's here. I know Morgan. I've seen Morgan potentially be a threat, but generally most of the, the first time I met him, he was okay. Then he was kind of crazy. I, I need to put him aside to keep everybody safe. Okay. Now everybody is out. Nope. I'm going to put you in danger to teach you how to deal with danger, but you don't know how to deal with it. And I haven't taught you how to do. So it's okay for you to be in danger when I say so, but only from the things that I think it's important that you're forced to face.
1: Yeah. It- Again, though, I think it comes back to how Rick views um, those folks in Ale- Alexandria who are, who are not ready to um, defend themselves. Either they get with the program or they don't and you're going to die and there's nothing I can do to teach you unless, unless you're ready to embrace it. And those four civilians were not ready to embrace it, so they were
0: meat for the beast. It's possible, but... From the viewpoint of, and maybe I'm reading too much into what's a fucking zombie story, where the first cool thing we saw in the episode is a dude tearing his own chest open (laughs) in order to get it at Rick and company. But I really saw a lot of the question of what is moral and right and how it is absolutely liquid depending on the situation. I saw a lot of that in how he dealt with Morgan versus how he dealt with, with these civilians and putting them in danger. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I think, I think for Rick, if, if you're someone that they have to waste time expending energy to, to keep safe, you're a liability to the community. And he would rather weed those folks out than put in the effort to teach them. Cause there's the question of, all right, so you're making this statement that Carter's, gonna, no matter what you do, he's going to get himself killed anyway. You were perfectly willing to, You know, with the girl that you wanted to sleep with, you know, give her private shooting lessons and oh yeah, do whatever it takes.
0: (laughs) Don't worry, little lady. Let me pull out my eight-inch Glock and show you how men do things. Yeah,
1: but but Carter's not worth that effort because you don't want to sleep with him.
0: Yeah, it's it's liquid depending on what people want. When the law is of the gun and you have the gun, (laughs) what's right is different. Right with how. The, the contrast between how Rick deals with Carter and how Glenn dealt with Nicholas. Yeah. Who Nicholas flat out <laughs> tried to, to kill, kill him. him. Yeah. And <laughs> it's like, okay, I'll give you a chance, but it was similar to start with. It's like, no, you can't come out with us. You can't come out. I'm going to do it anyway. All right. Well, you stay the fuck back there and don't fuck anything up. Okay. You did one right thing. So I'm going to throw you a bone and let you kill the last walker. Yep. And you will get a chance over time in order to redeem yourself. Right. And,
1: you know, Rick is also making the statement to to Daryl, you know, no, we're not taking in any new people. Stop looking for new recruits to bring into Alexandria. It's, it is very much like he's sort of circling the wagons. He wants to just deal with the, the nuclear community he has there, strengthen it up to the best that he can, and, and then just shut the door.
0: Well, and it, it makes you wonder how much like this the governor was. Yeah. Or whether Shane. Shane. Or whether this is being done to contrast Rick with the eventual appearance either at the end of this season or next season, because we know he's coming. You know he's but coming. with Negan. Yeah. And yeah. the best casting rumor I don't know if we've talked about it on the show, and I don't know if it's been disproved or not. It was just a casting rumor. The best goddamn rumor I ever heard was that they wanted to talk to John Hamm about being Negan. That would be awesome. That'd be fucking perfect. Just get away, to the, away from that greasy hair. Show a charismatic, handsome guy with a foul fucking mouth and a baseball bat. I think he'd be awesome as Negan.
1: That would be pretty great. Although I want it to be Danny Trejo, but that's because I want him in all the things.
0: <laughs> if Danny Trejo was Negan, I would immediately start rooting for Negan. <laughs> Kill that cracker. Fuck him. He's just an English guy pretending to be Southern. Kill him. Machete him, Negan. <laughs> If Lucille wasn't a machete <laughs> under Danny Trejo's <laughs> hand, somebody is making a terrible fucking mistake with it's, The Walking it's Dead. It's true. But, but yeah, it makes me wonder if they're not setting up, oh, okay, Rick's moving down this road. Is Negan going to be an extreme example of that? One thing I can tell you is the minute Glenn forgave Nicholas and showed him to be that good a person that is first concrete step number one on Glenn being martyred yeah. by Negan eventually. Right. You know, poor Stephen Ewan, is that his name? The yeah, actor's I think that's, name? I think that's it, he started yes. signing his own fucking death warrant when he read the lines as written this week.
1: Well it, it's that and and Morgan's own statements around, you know, all life is sacred and being willing to give people second chances even though they've put you in some sort of awful mortal danger. To, to have two folks in your camp that feel that way, um, that, that can become kind of contagious as a feeling. So then that leaves you in a place where you may have difficulty defending yourself.
0: Oh, I got a prediction. I just thought of this just now. Okay. We saw in this episode uh, where Morgan was working out with his stick, and Rick asked him, you know, where did you learn that before or after? And he said, somebody taught me, after. Negan, who wields a baseball bat. Oh, shit. We're going to find out Morgan was around Negan for a while, and that is going to be a big bone of contention as to which side is he on. Interesting. I'll bet you. I just thought of that. Interesting. I've got nothing to back it up beyond, oh, I just started my second beer and my brain is starting to loosen up, but i <laughs> bet you we'll see that.
1: That would be an interesting twist. Yeah. All right. Huh. All right. It might it might make
0: me like hate the eventual... Negan's storyline a little less. Oh, God. I fucking hate that character in the... Co- it all depends on how they do it. We've talked about this a million times, talking about the show and talking about the Walking Dead comic. Pacing has become so wonky and fucked up in that comic book yeah, ever can, since Kirkman started working on this TV show.
1: You can put it down and walk away from it for months and then come back and nothing has happened.
0: It, was, it always had a tight... Every arc is six issues, and certainly it leads into the next arc, but you've got a beginning, middle, and end in six issues, and now it goes... All Out War was 12, and there were six issues before that, dealing with Negan being a cock and killing Glenn and just yeah. being a general douchebag. And then, uh, yeah, we're now, what, 10, 15 issues into you know, the whole, the, the, the silent ones arc. Yeah. And yeah, it's, the pacing has gotten all fucked up in the, the Walking Dead comic book. I will say this, um,
1: you know what was really great about this episode? What? Uh, we only saw Carl for about a minute. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but you know what? Ron stepped in admirably. <laughs> it's it's like they put out an ad. It's like, oh, shit, Chandler Riggs has gotten bigger, and yeah, all right, Carl General in the comics, we got to make him a little bit cooler and more competent. We really need somebody to fill in the role of somebody who'll just wander away and be a just a mopey douchebag and you know, whoever they cast. Ron,
1: welcome to the family.
0: <laughs> I don't know who they cast to be Ron, but he, he really looks like... Like John Cusack and Adrian Brody <laughs> fucked and somehow had an unnatural recalcitrant mopey emo kid <laughs> with a shitty hat to just wander around to be a dick. He he was mostly nose. <laughs> yes, he was. But it's a he, he kind of looked like both those guys. Yeah. Yeah. He,
1: he looks like what would have happened if genetics hadn't been kind to Joseph Gordon Levy. <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt, yeah. Love it. Yeah, Levitt, sorry.
0: But yeah, it's, and I was just looking at my notes, again, just to get quickly back for a second to the idea of morality being relative. Yes. The scene, I think, right after Morgan said to Rick, we're both killers. Now, why is this, you know, <laughs> let's not pretend that we're not. The next scene was a flashback to when they're waiting for the walkers to come up to the, the intersection and and Morgan, like it's the gravest crime that's ever been committed, says to Michonne, Do you take my last peanut butter bar?" <laughs> it's like we're both killers, but that somehow this is okay. But you took my fucking granola bar, you bitch.
1: Well, it also like you're you're perseverating on that. So, are you still a little crazy? Like, <laughs> oh,
0: it wouldn't surprise me at all.
1: Um, cause... they
0: they almost have to leave that in effect because there has to be some question about Morgan there yeah. has to be as time goes on
1: cuz it was it it was so out of character to what he'd been presenting himself as for so long yeah that it was and i know that a lot of people watching the episode found that funny but for me it struck me with now nah, he's he's perseverating on on a thing that's crazy
0: yeah because we found out uh, i think when we watched uh, talking dead afterwards that in fact she did take yeah. In the episode a couple seasons back where they came Clear, like, yeah. Yeah. She did take one of his fucking protein bars.
1: Well it's peanut butter and delicious. Why wouldn't you? Know, it's not like he was going to use it. There's a very strong likelihood he was going to be dead soon.
0: Oh <laughs> big fucking deal. It was it wasn't it sometime around that episode that Carl found a thirteen pound can of fucking Yeah, that's pudding. actually
1: all I could think of was the giant can
0: of pudding. <laughs> There's still stuff out there, you gotta hunt for it, but you'll find more fucking peanut butter. It's true. Crush up some peanuts. You're in Georgia. I hear they're around. (laughs) Yeah, they do weird shit down there, like boil them, though. Yeah, well, nobody's... You a hell of a lot of sterno to boil up your peanuts. Just crush them up and dump in some peanut oil. Yes. So... But, uh, yeah, I mean, sort of more general stuff. I I did like how they use that quarry as some explanation Mm -hmm. as to why Alexandria was not overrun.
1: And also, therefore, why why the folks in Alexandria have not had to really work on any kind of defensive skill set.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a little deus ex machina that, Mm -hmm. uh, oh, we found this other community that appears to have been overrun and we think they're the ones who set up this Rube Goldbergian setup of trucks to to make a one-way mouse trap yeah. for zombies in this quarry. But you know, all right, I'll I'll buy that. But it it was nice that at least somebody gave some thought to it. Right. Uh apparently that's where they stopped thinking because <laughs> because then everybody was worried about, "Oh Jesus, what happens if a few zombies uh go off into the woods and go straight at Alexandria?" I'd imagine it'd be the same thing that would happen if any one of the highly incendiary flares you keep firing off to attract the zombies start a fire in a world with no fucking fire department. Either way, you're dead. So nobody thought about the flares, but
1: Yeah, I I, I may, may, maybe it was humid enough that it wasn't an issue.
0: Nah, I I have been in, in Georgia in in August. That's yeah, probably it ain't like Texas where it'll just burn. There's enough humidity there. It is fucking sticky. Yeah. So I drank a lot of vodka.
1: I'll take your word for it.
0: It's not humid here. I'm drinking a lot of beer. I have a problem, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Somebody <laughs> help me for Christ's sake!
1: So that brings us to at the end of the episode, because things are going sw- swimmingly. This is the most crazy, crazy stunt that Rick could have asked a bunch of of defenseless, unprepared individuals to pull off. Um. Within it, we've got Abraham, who's beginning to act suicidal.
0: <laughs> yeah, and is hanging out with... Uh, oh,
1: Sasha, who was... is newly not suicidal. Yeah. Uh, she now has a reason to live. Um, and he's doing crazy shit, like jumping out of the car and trying to herd the zombies back into line, and then hopping back in the car while it's still moving, and he's drinking a lot. Um <sighs> And and not in that good, just kind of like I'm gonna sit on the porch and chill out, kind of. No, he's got like a flask of
0: some sort of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Four Roses, I believe it was. Yeah, the, the finest the whiskey,
1: finest of of brown liquors. Uh, when you're
0: just sipping to forget. Yeah, when, when
1: you decide that you don't need your liver anymore. All right, maybe there is a place for me in the zombie apocalypse.
0: <laughs> maybe I have a role. Perhaps dye my hair red, and wear a wife beater. I don't know. <laughs> um. So. He's
1: a person to keep an eye on going forward. Uh, but yeah, somehow this is, this is weirdly working. They're, they're getting herded properly. They're, they're following the, the path that has been set for them. And just when they're within inches of being able to pull the defenseless civilians back, uh, to Alexandria and have Sasha and Abraham and Daryl continue to herd them Pied Piper like out another 20 miles. Um, so that they just sort of are released into the, into the wilderness or whatever. Yeah. Um, somebody starts sounding a car horn from Alexandria, and the question, of course, is who, who is doing that?
0: <laughs> yeah, some kind of horn. We're, the worst fucking line in the whole episode is this horn is going off. <whistles> somebody says, what's that? And Glezz says, some kind of horn. No shit. Really? It's a horn that we all hear?
1: Yeah, so the question is, is it Ron being a weasel? um Fucking
0: ron weasel shittiest <laughs>
1: wizard ever yeah i don't like this Rick person i can't have him doing this i'm going to lean on this horn um <laughs> is it is it carl and and uh edie like did they hook up in a in a car and accidentally kick the horn um <laughs> um
0: <laughs> i uh I, I i was 15 once upon a time um it, I was never that distracted by uh, my own ejaculatory uh, <laughs> purposes uh, to allow a horn to blast for uh, 90 seconds.
1: Is it? Is it?
0: Uh, by 90 seconds, I was already apologizing. <laughs> as long as you weren't also crying, because that's, that's the worst. Say, that's my business, all right? <laughs> <laughs> um, Is
1: it Gabriel, who has been MIA for much of the episode? He asked if he could help. He was shot down pretty quickly by, by Rick.
0: That was fucking glorious. <laughs> I'd like to help. No, anybody else?
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> um, he was also told by Deanna that he was wrong, and and he was also shot down again when he tried to do the, the moral thing and, and bury Porch Dick. Uh,
0: yeah, they, they didn't spend... It, it was just a few minutes with Gabriel this time around. Yeah. And they didn't spend enough time with him to really get a sense as to how he's really reacting to all this.
1: We saw that he left a note of some sort on a map for Rick to find, like the world really does need Rick Rhymes or something like that. I believe that was left by Gabriel.
0: Uh, It's possible. Um, at but, some point, I got to start getting these things on Blu-ray because, yeah, I, I wish I'd rewatched the end of last season before we got into this one.
1: As, as our local comic book store owner did point out, who is it that blows the horn at the time of the apocalypse? Um, it's
0: Gabriel. You're re- <laughs> I, This is
1: what our local comic book store guy is theorizing.
0: And and I love my local comic store, and I, he's a really good guy, but that's a stretch. This show has been renewed for another eight seasons, To so to have Gabriel blow the horn of Apocalypse at the beginning of the season was a six. Yes. With no end in sight. This is the highest rated show on television. Yeah, it might be pushing a little
1: bit. Just saying. Just saying. Gabriel blows the horn.
0: Gabriel just blows. <laughs> I suppose it's possible. And I think it's got to be the wolves.
1: It could be. I mean, but how do the wolves know what's going on? Do they have somebody who's like been in the community? Who knows? We don't even know
0: who they are at this point. So it's possible. Anything's possible.
1: Yeah, I guess. Because I mean, we, we don't know if they have spies in the community. That's
0: <laughs> we don't know anything about him, except people just write shit on cars about him and on walls and carve it into trees and
1: and walkers carve it into
0: walkers they carve it into walkers, by God, yep, that seems like a negan like trick it could mm. be you know who the hell knows not not I it, it could be yeah, that there's some other attack going on right now it's a ju- that horn is a black box, you know Alexandria is both alive and dead <laughs> I imagine it's alive because we see. In scenes from next week, various people huddling up trying to deal with something trying to get into the town. Could be zombies. Yep. Could be an invasion. Can't really tell at this point.
1: That's a good point. Although we also saw in the Talking Dead a clip from, from next week that shows the girl that, that Carl has been trying to lay into. Um, Enid, I believe Enid, her name is. Um, walking by herself and then trying to get into um, a car. And then she puts the letters j s s on the window whatever the hell that means
0: uh justice society of suck <laughs> the junior sluts of southern <laughs> georgia i don't know <laughs> i don't i don't know jacking steve sisman <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> just say shit i i don't know <laughs> all are equally valid i'm sure they're all wrong but we'll find out but yeah it's it, could be a bunch of things. It's a decent cliffhanger ending because, uh, number one, it makes everything go to hell, puts everybody in danger, shows that Alexandria isn't safe. And the reality is, and I know we've spent a lot of time in the comic books in various communities that have been built up. Right. This show has shown you put everybody in one place for too long, it becomes fucking boring. Right. It's good for cheap television production. We built our sets, and we're done. We don't have to do any more. We don't need any more locations. Season two on fucking Herschel's Farm is as close as I've come to giving this show up. That's true. It became fucking boring. Alexandria has to die for Walking Dead to live. It's just a question of, does it happen quickly? Or do we spend uh, some time there and find out who the wolves are and let Negan eventually show up? I gotta believe Gimple is smart enough to say, "Let's shake shit up quickly," because that was the cool thing about last season. I think we all went into last season after spending season four. Yep, uh hump buddy, going to Terminus, dom buddy, <laughs> everybody taking their different roads to Terminus. So we saw Terminus you know, show up at the end of the season. Oh no, they're captured. I guarantee I was not the only person thinking at the beginning of last season, we're going to spend at least six or eight episodes in fucking Terminus with these guys trying to figure out how to take over and get away. Yeah. And Gimple was smart, and he blew it all apart in a single fucking episode. That's true. Turned Carol into a badass, and it was glorious, and it made it feel for the first time in a long time like anything can really happen on this show. Yeah. He's a Dope if he turns around a year later and says, we're going to spend half of this season in town meetings, dude. We're going to figure out, oh, little political power struggles as to who's in charge. No, man, blow it right the fuck up. Yeah. Get him on the road or keep him there. Show that Rick is maybe not the good guy anymore, which I've been saying has been a long time coming in the comic book. And we still haven't really seen. Yeah, we haven't resolved that. Whether people really think that or not. Cause again, the pacing is fucked on that book. God damn it. Another issue this week reads, Oh, Jesus Christ. Nothing's fucking happening. Yeah, okay. That you, shit's going to stop. They're going to take the girl to a different camp. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> uh huh. Bomb, <Bomb-a-dee>. buddy. <laughs> but, you know, you're not wrong. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's either you got to show power going to Rick's head in a very governor-like way. Use the governor as sort of a template for, oh, Rick's going down the wrong path, and then show us Negan to show, okay, this is where that ends up. Yeah. If you're the governor and you didn't get killed two years ago, this is where you are. If you do that, you can justify being in Alexandria for a while. Otherwise, it's just another fucking year at Herschel's camp.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't know that it's about power going to Rick's head. I think he just... He views people who have not been through the same set of experiences as he has been differently, and he sees them as um, defenseless. And I, I think he's trying to figure out if it's worth his time and and effort to keep them safe.
0: Yeah, but you know what? Everybody's the hero of their own story. Uh, you know, the governor, I'm sure, thought the same thing. Said, "I was weak. I couldn't protect my daughter." And I will eventually reintroduce civilization and find a cure for her, so I'm going to keep her chained up over there. And yeah, okay, maybe it's not quite normal to have aquariums full of heads. Yeah, but you know what? It's not quite normal to go into a community that welcomes you with open arms and have Carol the Butcher uh, At Hari, the place up, smiling and baking pies. Yeah, no,
2: you're, you know, and you're not And everybody ready
0: to just kill on your order. And speaking of which, Morgan pegged Carol immediately. That was fucking glorious. As soon as he saw right through her, it's like, okay. It, and it serves a couple purposes. It's the, the the writers and Scott Gimple and Melissa McBride did a spectacular job last season. Of making Carol into an unmitigated destroyer. Yeah. Extremely dangerous, extremely competent, which we hadn't really seen any signs of for the seasons before that. And, and a rival
1: to Rick's leadership.
0: If necessary. Yeah. yeah. So to show Morgan as formidable enough to see through that, it's good shorthand to put him on a level where he's just, a, he can be as zen as he wants he was crazy a couple years ago and now he is smart enough and clever enough to be able to see through all these people so it was good shorthand to show how dangerous Morgan can be if he decides this is not the route I want to go yeah no, absolutely. smart writing
1: but it also whether Morgan intended it or not it's it, it's got Carol's attention and if you have Carol's attention then you best watch your ass
0: <laughs> I'm a nasty piece of work Ask anybody! Yeah. <laughs> I do want to see that play out. <laughs> yeah,
1: because, I mean, the, the, it's been interesting watching her, you know, do this sort of um, yeah, Matahari thing, I guess, sure. But I have missed her being out and being a badass.
0: Yeah. It's far more interesting to see her mix shit up and be dangerous yeah. than... It's far more entertaining it's more interesting to see she's extremely dangerous and about three people know it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and if the wrong people go the wrong way, a lot of people are going to end up dead without ever seeing it coming. Right. So to, so yeah, Morgan's move of, I see you watching. It's a, okay. It, it shows how dangerous he really is. Yeah. Which I, I thought was really good shorthand.
1: Um, so if, it, here's another thing to consider. If Morgan didn't learn his martial arts moves from Negan, who did he learn them from? <laughs> uh, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because there's those other communities out there that we haven't met yet. So if they're truly going down that, that path, there, there are other communities that all sort of communicate with one another because they're in the, the path of, of Negan's extortion schemes.
0: Well, yeah, and it's possible it could have come from any one of those. Yeah. Is the most interesting option that it came from Negan? I think so. But then again, like I said, I thought of that 10 minutes ago. Yeah. Just because, ooh, a stick, a stick, and what would be a good way to tie these guys together? Okay, it's Morgan ran into this guy. And how does Rick react when Morgan, who I think is inevitably going to become one of Rick's most trusted confidants, we saw a lot of that going on. In this episode, yeah, you know, even if it's a, a case of you know, okay, I'll, I'll have you know my own Lincoln esque uh, team of rivals. This is the guy who's going to constantly push me to be a better person, and maybe I don't listen to him all the time, but yeah, he's <laughs> for Christ's sake. By the end of the episode, he he asked Morgan, who he didn't trust enough, and kept him locked up. Why, why don't you move into my house? <laughs> <laughs> That's a that's a hell of a way to get a solitary confinement, straight from the hole into the boss's house. Yeah, but, yeah.
1: And here, hold my daughter.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Take my child. When Rick walked out, when Rick walked out of the porch with the with his kid. Oh, that's right. Rick has a kid. Did we see her at all last season? Ah, not a lot. They would just sort of keep her. They keep
1: getting like you know various babies, none of whom look alike. So. Yeah, one week Judith has like dark hair. Another week Judith is blonde.
0: (laughs) I firmly believe that half the time it's just a baby Bjorn full of fucking rocks and sticks and (laughs) and a tape recorder that shrieks. And most of the time they just stuff her in a corner because I don't remember the last time I saw Judith.
1: Yeah. I mean, she, her biggest moments were when she was with um, Carol and um, what's his name? Who died. Um,
0: Oh shit! There's so many characters on this. Yeah, you had to ask. As I'm starting my third beer,
1: um, I feel like there were initials involved. Yeah,
0: uh. <laughs> fuck it. Yes,
1: but uh, they that was you know because it was like okay, you're in the worst situation possible. You're you're traveling with a squalling infant through the woods.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, she was traveling with oh. It's not Herschel. He was one of the, the guys who was in the prison. One right. of the original convicts. Right. I can't think of his fucking name. Was but it like
1: TJ or something? Uh,
0: or? Yeah, something. But yeah, they were walking on the tracks to Terminus at the end of season four. Yeah. And there was some more of that in last season where, where they were together before, yeah, he got whacked. Right. Yeah, the only name I could think of is Herschel. And it's clearly not That's Herschel. It's not Herschel. So. Uh, fuck it. I can barely keep track of the characters in the comic book all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Not good with names. It's okay, honey. I've killed a lot of my brain with alcohol. I know. Today. I know. In the last 24 Same hours. See you do it. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was just seeing the kid again. So yeah, back to the original point. Yeah, well, Morgan is destined to become one of Rick's greatest confidants. And it would be interesting from a plot standpoint to see Morgan then show allegiance to this extremely dangerous rival for an enemy for Rick It's not a rival it's not nah, I want to take your people and wipe you out
2: right
1: um, so what are what are your predictions for for uh, next episode
0: I have no idea I think it's probably if they're going to use the wolves as a season long antagonist which they won't necessarily do let's right see, We saw what they did with Terminus last year. But if they do, then this will be, okay, the zombies got into Alexandria. They are able to, it'll be a small percentage of them. Uh, They're able to beat them back, and they stay there and rebuild, and Rick begins to bend these people to their will. I've got to believe that with the death of Carter and that little rebellion knocked down, internal rebellion, we're not going to see a lot of because at that point you're just beating. You don't want to beat that drum over and over and over again. Right. Until it's extremely serious. You know, if it's okay, no, we, we, (laughs) it's not just, uh, we don't like the new boss and we wish, you know, we didn't have to file TPS reports anymore (laughs) like the old days when coffee was free and (laughs) I could come and go as I pleased. No, it has to be, yeah, I think it has to almost be Negan-esque. I think the the internal struggle will have to be when Negan or somebody like him, be it somebody from the Wolves or Negan himself, shows up and says, I'm going to wipe you out unless you show fealty to me. Yeah. And now well-trained people are saying, well, this is the way to go and make it a real challenge for Rick. So I think next episode, it'll be zombies. We'll maybe see that the wolves infiltrated, or maybe have somebody on the inside. Cause I that think whole, i think it's Enid. It's possible because that whole question of somebody on the inside—I don't think that's a thing that we've ever seen before. I think it's Enid because
1: they—they brought her in and she kept trying to get back out.
0: <laughs> Where was she going? It's very possible, but no, I'm saying more the idea of somebody on the somebody in the group is working for another team. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> except for you know Andrea in season what was that four right? Where was it even? She's working for another team. She's too stupid to know who the fuck she is working for. Right. So, so yeah, that idea of who can you trust inside, you know, with Rick clearly showing, uh, I'll let you people die or I'll point a gun at your head and blow it off. That could be interesting. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know. It's, look, Scott Gimple, since he's been in charge of it, has made this show tighter than it was in the first three seasons anyway. Right. So, I got to believe they've. You know.
1: They've got a plan. Yeah. Well, it's important to have a plan. If you don't have a plan, then you're going to be all over the
0: place. Yeah. Did you say that? So I came in here with like three things of prep on a notebook page. I don't have a plan tonight. You We're have making a plan. this up as we go. You have a plan. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, what do you think? Like might you said, be I said,
1: think, I think Enid was the plant. Um, I think that she is the one that's blowing the horn. I think Carl will discover her and there will be subsequent tension. Um, meanwhile, both uh, the zombies and the wolves are going to get into Alexandria and Rick and his crew and and that community are going to be dealing with sort of a, a war on two fronts for an episode or two.
0: That's possible. They could go with the whole, you know, we've got the the tension between Rick and Daryl of do we bring more people in so if they have unleashed a zombie horde across the landscape and people start showing up the door saying, you got to let us in, you got to help us, could they be spies? Could they be working from the inside? There could be something there. That might be interesting. Yeah. All right. That's my thought. We'll have to see. It's uh, based on when we're taping. Show's on in an hour. We'll find we'll out. We'll find out. But yeah, I mean, a much stronger start than I found to Fear the Walking Dead. Yes. Fear the Walking Dead was always going to be uphill. And I've heard you know, the rest of the season is solid as it goes along, and we will certainly get back to it. God knows we didn't stop watching it because like, uh, oh, this show sucks. It's with everything going on in our day jobs and day-to-day lives, it's you know, hard to keep up with all this stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, it if it's a choice between spending the hour watching a thing that we aren't necessarily going to be talking about or finding a nebulous document... Uh <laughs> I need the document, goddammit. You have to go look for the nebulous document. Where's the fucking documents?
0: But, but yeah, it's, that was always going to have an uphill battle because the, the first episode of The Walking Dead, I'd been, you and I had been reading the comic book since 2004. Yeah. I mean, we got in, I've said it before on this show. My first issue is issue seven. seven yeah. Which I bought the same day as the first print of the first trade. trade. So we had a huge amount invested. So even though the, yeah, the, It was a killer pilot, but there were certain pacing issues, particularly not so much in season one, which was just six episodes, right? but even season one went in a wildly different direction by the end, and then we wind up with season two, you know, I don't want to live on Herschel's farm no more, to paraphrase Dylan. (laughs) It's, okay, I'm hooked into these characters walking right into it. Fear the Walking Dead, it's like, no, meet Pretty Boy Junkie, (laughs) just... From what I've heard, he spends at least four episodes of the six. This and mom, you got to get me more dope. Try that with your mom and see how it works out. I don't my, care if with my hu- mom. With my mom, your your mom offered me pills once. <laughs> <laughs> try it with uh, listener. Try it with your mom. <laughs> Even if the house is on fire and people are screaming in the streets. Yeah, my mom would would. Fucking hobble me like Annie Wilkes in misery, and, <laughs> and put me into a wheelbarrow to run away from zombies before she got me fucking heroin. Yeah, she almost did that when she caught me smoking cigarettes for Christ's sake. <laughs> so yeah, it was uh, Fear the Walking Dead. It's I've heard it's uh, I've heard it's solid. We will get back to it at some point. The first episode, not bad, a little bit problematic, some sparks there. I mean, it's not. The Walking Dead. It's not The Walking Dead. Laverne and Zombie. That's about as funny as I'm going to be today.
1: That's okay, honey.
0: Write that one down for a title. I did. (laughs) Okay. All right. So I want to talk about a couple comics. How are we doing on time?
1: Oh, we're doing good. It's like an hour and five minutes. Okay.
0: All right. (laughs) One thing I just want to mention real quick, and this is only for me. You see these comics come out now and again, and I know you didn't read it, and I only picked it up. And this is rare. I'm not much of a massive multiplayer, uh. Oh, the Eve book? I read the Eve book. Okay. But I'm not much of a massive, uh, multiplayer online, uh, player. I had a buddy of mine give me a demo for World of Warcraft once, and it did nothing for me because I'm not a big fantasy guy. I'm, I'm comic books and up to a certain point, science fiction. Yeah. So, but I did for about two months, about five years ago or six years ago at this point, play Eve online, which if you're not familiar is, at face value, it's a book about uh, it's a book. It's a video game about spaceships. You have a spaceship, and you can go from solar system to solar system. Really, what it is is a giant fucking spreadsheet spreadsheet simulator. It's <laughs> it's a game with its own economy and corporations and you know, just. So yeah, if you go in there and want to play at any kind of level, you need somebody to play with. And I'm kind of antisocial. It I seems like...
1: like there's a lot of grinding that you need to do in that game in order to get anything accomplished.
0: Yeah, so it's yeah, I'm antisocial, but this one I tried because I mentioned it to a couple of people I was working with at the time. They said, "Yeah, we'll try it. We'll get a trial." And it was one of those things I wanted to go into uh, low security space and be a pirate. But another buddy said, no, I think it's a better idea if we just do escort missions straight from the computer. Another buddy wanted to do nothing but mine asteroids. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would just go into low sec and get my ass blown up and then come then come out and get another ship and lose all my fucking money. And so I I quit after a couple of months. But that's the only one I even got that only massive multiplayer game I even got that far in. So, yeah, I saw on the stands. I think it was from uh, Dark Horse Comics. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah, was it Eve? Eve Valkyrie. Eve Valkyrie, and I recognize the the logo from Eve, and it was written by Brian Wood, so it's like, all right, let me give it a shot. And it's not a—I don't want to talk into it in any depth. It's not a bad little book. It's one of these, you know, sort of standard science fictionist. You know, yeah,
1: I mean, as someone who who didn't play the game, um, just re- reading this first issue, it's. It seems like it's a strong story.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a whole bunch of history and long-term stuff in the, the Eve world that, that you can dive into. And But at face value, it's a standard story of yet another chosen one, pilot, the best in the universe, you know, trying to redeem herself in the middle of a war and great combat, and it's not a bad little story, but it could come straight out of the Star Wars universe or anything else. It mentions (laughs) low-sec, low-security space. It mentions Galenti spaceships, shit from the EVE universe. But having played EVE, it's like, yeah, you could be the best pilot in the galaxy, but you're still going to start out Mining fucking asteroids in high-sec space <laughs> for hours at a time and going to one of ten different space stations and fucking trying to sell the shit off.
1: I'll take your word for it.
0: It's It was not a bad book, but as somebody who played it, it's like, this is not the full experience. <laughs> this is the first time you go into low-sec, you're, you're killed like a moron <laughs> within seconds. Half the game should, half the book should have been. How do I use these scanners to find anything again? How do I afford a mining laser when <laughs> I have sold all my beryllium for an isk? That's seems the money. Like that's ease. what
1: they're setting up though with the uh, cliffhanger that you know she gets out of because that showed her like on her the first mission where she might possibly have almost died.
0: Yeah, it's me, It's not a bad licensed book, and I like Brian Wood's writing. So that was half a while. All right, let me give this a shot. But yeah, having played Eve, it's like, <laughs> there really should be more mining.
1: All right, well, since you said that this seems like it's a story that could have come out of Star Wars, why don't we talk about the Star Wars book that we have here this week, uh, Star Wars Chewbacca?
0: All right, Chewbacca number one, uh, written by Jerry Duggan, uh, art by Phil Noto. It's both Jerry Duggan books this week we're going to talk that's, about.
1: That's, that's the thematic, yeah.
0: <laughs> like we normally have a theme. yeah, <laughs> But... <laughs> So, yeah, it's a Chewbacca uh, after Star Wars off on some kind of personal mission. This is one of the rare ones where you really need to read the recap page. You do.
1: And I found it is this is one of those, you're following a protagonist who uh, has no fundamental language skills. So...
0: Yeah, <laughs> and he's purely defined by the people in the movies, anyway, the people that he interacts with. Right. So you never know what he's really saying. So it was kind of interesting. The, yeah, the opening recap page that's meant to be the Star Wars c- crawl at the beginning. The, you know, the, the Death Star has been destroyed by Chewbacca. The, and, <laughs> and, you know, his, his buddy Han and Luke, and, but mainly it was the great warrior from Kashyyyk, Chewbacca. <laughs> and he's off in space with a borrowed spacecraft on, on some kind of personal mission. And he lands on this planet and busts his ship up. Turns out the ship that he would borrowed, I'm doing air quotes like anybody can fucking see me, but <laughs> I'm assuming he horked it or yeah. just took it out of the Yavin 4 fucking, or the Hoth. Yeah. T- oh, nobody's going to miss this. I'll be back in an hour or two. So yeah, he, he takes it off and he crash lands on this planet and he needs a part and runs into this kid who's been forced to work in mines to work off his dad's gambling debt and meets Chewbacca and he's trying to convince Chewbacca to help him. And he can't understand Chewbacca, and we get no subtitles. It's just clearly body language. (laughs) And, you know, his. uh, I'm not even going to try to imitate Chewbacca, but... (laughs) I I can't. I I can't. Here's my imitation of Chewbacca. I hate you so much. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, yeah, this kid basically irritating Chewbacca and trying to convince him to do this thing, and he won't go away, and Chewbacca finally agrees to help. And I, I really liked how it was put together because it, it felt in character to me. Yes. Uh, that Chewbacca, it, of, of course he's going to help if he sees himself as a warrior, like the crawl says, okay, this is how he sees himself. This is how he's acted with other characters. You know, The thing that leapt to mind through the whole thing was him trying to rebuild C-3PO on Cloud City and Empire, even though C-3PO was nothing but annoying to Han and Chewie through that entire movie. But he's like, all right, I'm going to try to put him back together and try to help him out. Yeah. Even if it's kind of reluctant of, oh, this is not the best idea, but fuck it. I'm going to do it anyway. So yeah, he, he agrees to help the kid, even as he's irritated all the way through. It's, and, and it, it was an interesting look in what it might be like to be a Wookiee. Cause as he's going through this town trying to get, he clearly is just sort of used to muscling or intimidating his way into things. He brings the part to a part dealer. Then he starts howling and he's like, you've got to bring me more money. So fine, he goes to a bar to play sabacc and clearly they're letting him win because well, you, yeah, you always let, let the Wookiee Wookie win. win. So he's just <laughs> sort of used to muscling his way through and they're looking for this kid and Chewbacca's just looking, okay, we'll come back later. And So it was, it, it was an interesting take on Chewbacca and an interesting way of writing him with just how people interact with him when they can't understand him, and he doesn't necessarily care.
1: Yeah, although he does finally at one point um try to suggest to the kid, no, I'm going to take off. He actually points to the sky, which is more language than he's ever demonstrated yeah. in any of the movies. <laughs> yeah, the,
0: the closest was uh, in Star Wars where it's like, get into the garbage chute, and he's shaking his head. I don't want to go in there. That's as close <laughs> as I've seen before. And the cool thing is, based on this idea that clearly Dugan came in with of Chewie thinks he's the hero. Yeah, I, I bet you if you could corner Dugan at a, a bar, at a comic convention, he'd say, Oh yeah, it's, I, Chewbacca totally talked hand into going back to the Death Star.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh no, we, we gotta be heroes, dude. This is what we do. We're going. No, we got this under control. I'll fly if you won't. So.
1: <laughs> but it was probably with a lot more like, you know, Chewbacca noises and arm flailing.
0: Yeah, probably. <laughs> but uh, I will tell you one thing. If we get to the end of this, of this mini-series, and we don't find out that Chewbacca's personal mission is to get home to Kashyyyk for Life Day, I'm going to be very fucking upset.
1: (laughs) That also went through my mind.
0: Because there's no indication of what his mission is. The one thing we see is he's looking in a box, and we're seeing it from the opposite angle, so we can't see what's in there. He better be going home to itchy and lumpy. (laughs) I want to see it. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. God damn it, Dugan. You fucking make the Star Wars holiday special canon. Isn't it canon though? I thought it was. Oh, uh, not somewhere. according to George Lucas. It's not. Well, fuck
1: George Lucas. He doesn't have control
0: of the property anymore. Well, true, but. <laughs> so yeah, I, I want to see life day out, but yeah, it was, it's weird. It's. Uh, the the books about the ancillary characters you know the Lando book and the Darth Vader book and this yeah. are, have arguably all been better than the main Star Wars title which has been pretty solid
1: yeah but i think i think it's because there's so much to work with with these ancillary characters because like, you don't spend that much in a giant ensemble you can only spend so much time on each character so when they get their own books finally they have sort of their moment in the sun
0: yeah, it might be that simple, particularly with Lando and, and Chewbacca. Yeah. God knows we spent three too many movies with at least Anakin Skywalker, but <laughs> But yeah, it's a this is a pretty solid one. Definitely more lighthearted than the main Star Wars book, even though there's child slavery.
1: Well, you know.
0: <laughs> but the uh The Empire's a bunch of assholes. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I had a lot of fun with this. What'd you think? No,
1: I I enjoyed it a lot. Um I I have to wonder how how does Han understand Chewie? He seems to be the only person that understands Chewie.
0: I mean, I, I imagine it's like any other language.
1: Presumably, I guess. Um, yeah, and I mean,
0: what? What are you a racist? Are you saying Wookiees just howl gibberish? No, there's but there's a language to it.
1: But it's 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 clear that like pretty much everybody else that Chewie encounters outside of Han has no idea unless they're Threepio, like what the hell he's saying.
0: Well. Yeah, but uh, so what? I, I don't understand French. <laughs> that doesn't mean they're shouting gibberish at me.
1: No, no. Are I, they? I don't know. I took Latin.
0: Yeah, <laughs> talk about gibberish. But... <laughs> Chewbacca has ways of making himself known. They
1: got my dick message. <laughs> I don't think that's what he said.
0: Well, no, maybe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I, I enjoyed it. Um, because it there's a there's a sense of humor about the book despite the the various dark things underpinning it such as the child slavery um and <laughs> yeah yeah and the the ever present encroaching empire that's uh putting its feelers into everything
0: yeah it's uh, there was definitely a sense of humor to the book and that was it was fun and maybe maybe just the level of fun in this and in lando and characters we don't get to spend a lot of time with are part of why I like them so much. Yeah, no, I agree. Alright, anything else on this one? Or? No,
1: I, th- I think we've covered that one pretty sufficiently.
0: Alright. So we'll move on to Uncanny Avengers number one. Also by Jerry Duggan. Written by Jerry Duggan, uh, art by Ryan Stegman, uh, who clearly has uh, read and enjoyed his share of Todd McFarlane art. Yeah, every time you get I that see too, huh? Stegman, <laughs> clearly McFarlane was a huge influence on him. Same kind of Big, exaggerated faces with eyebrows that were stenciled on with the biggest <laughs> sharpie that you can find and exaggerated musculature. None of this is a slam. Back in the day, I loved McFarlane's art, Uh, less so now considering what he did to comic books. Well, but, you know. But yeah, not a bad style. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's if you're not a fan of McFarlane, it's not going to work for you. Uh, eh, I always liked his stuff, so yeah, we'll go with it. Particularly since, hey, you got Spider-Man in here. All right, that works for me. But, so yeah, I mean, the the team, this is basically an introduction of the new post-Secret Wars normal for Uncanny Avengers. Yep. Um, A team that had enough tension when they were introduced after Avengers versus X-Men with just mutants versus regular superheroes. Now we've got mutants, regular superheroes, and Inhumans. And considering we are learning that the Terrigen Mists are... If not just flat out killing mutants, they're uh, poisoning, sterilizing them. Yeah, or, uh, this is all stuff that supposedly we're gonna learn in various other books. But yeah, the Terrigen Mist are not doing mutants any favors, so they're pissed at the Inhumans, and everyone's pissed at the mute. You know, it's there's tension. There's tension and Deadpool. <laughs>
1: So it this is the Unity team, so we've got um members of former teams coming together to show that they can work together. Yes. So we've got um at least one mutant. Uh we are Is Deadpool considered a mutant? Yes. Okay, so two two mutants. Yeah, Deadpool and Rogue. We've got Johnny Storm who got his powers cosmically. Yeah. We've got old Steve Rogers. Yes. running around in his his jammies.
0: Yep. Um <laughs> not really his jammies, his, his shield uniform. <laughs> so apparently he doesn't become young again after Secret Wars, which I'm a little bummed about. Um Give it time. There's another Avengers movie coming out in a couple of shit. There's a Captain America movie coming out in April.
1: True. We've got um Doctor Voodoo. Now I feel like we've seen him before.
0: Oh, we definitely have. He's been around forever. Wasn't he
1: a, a a candidate for Sorcerer Supreme under one of the Doctor Strange arcs? He
0: was, and I think he became Sorcerer Supreme for a while, and then Doctor Strange came back. So he's been kicking around one Avengers team or another for okay. for a couple of years. So anyway. he's
1: just mystically powered. He's not necessarily a mutant or an human or anything like that. Yeah,
0: think of him along the lines of Doctor Strange. He's okay. magical powers.
1: Okay. Um, And then we've got... Um a girl called Synapse, who yes. is an inhuman.
0: And I don't remember ever seeing that character before. Doesn't mean she didn't exist. I've stated repeatedly on this show I am not the biggest fan of the inhumans, so it's possible she's been there forever, but and I am not familiar.
1: Her power is she can hack into minds. If if it has a brain, she can she can get in there and interface with it.
0: Yep. And she can also have seizures while eating with Petro Maximoff and uh get the team to go to Boston.
1: Yes, um, which was a little clunky, that whole
0: exchange. We'll get to that. Yeah, I think Jerry wrote that one after Boston Comic Con. I'm not sure he was totally impressed by our little town here. <laughs> yeah, fucker. But um, we tried to treat him nice. It's the last time I let him walk.
1: Um, and so, yeah, um, Quicksilver is on the team and he's now an inhuman and not a mutant. I guess. Uh,
0: yeah, but that goes back for a while. You know the the revelation that he wasn't uh, Magneto's kid uh, occurred uh, just recently. Uh, since Ike Perlmutter got pissed off at Fox, basically, yeah, um, and they needed a reason to have them in Avengers and put them front and center in the comic books without having. Uh, yeah, it's been a convoluted, a, a convoluted thing, thing. recently. As for him being an inhuman, and I'm not sure if now he's just flat out. yep, he's an inhuman, but he had a relationship with Medusa for a while, and I think no, P- was
1: it, wasn't Medusa. It was like Medusa's kid. Yeah, something Crystal
0: like Crystal or some shit
1: like
2: that. Yeah, I
0: think it was You're. I think you're right. I think it was Crystal, uh, and he exposed himself to the Terrigen mists after he lost his powers. Right, and that's. I, I want to say his- this isn't Peter David's X Factor. Yeah, and no, I think you're right, and it's spread into other stuff, and yep. he implied that, oh no, I have my speed back, but in reality he was sort of half teleporting and half stopping time. Yeah. And it was an interesting story about how someone deals with the nature of their power changing and maybe having it kill them until somebody decided, no, Avengers 2 is coming out or we're bored with this or whatever. (laughs) You know, comic books, everything uh, tends back toward uh, status quo and normal. Yes. But yeah, as to him, actually just, nope, I'm just an inhuman now. That's relatively new, and I probably have not read it. Like I said, I'm not a big Inhumans fan. I have not read all of Charles Sewell's Inhuman stuff in the last year or two. There may be shit I missed. There is definitely shit I missed. So
1: this book opens up with the Terrigen Mists are continuing to encroach upon various portions of the world. And for some people, that's a good thing. They have this guy here who's dying of cancer who comes back with the power to to bring things to life
0: and good on him
1: and his roommate or wife or whoever the hell this is in this other room also comes back with some powers but we don't know what they are
0: yeah and we don't know which one of them shows up at the end right as the i imagine it's one of them as the big reveal as yeah. the villain of the piece
1: so the, the guy who now feels connected to every living thing and has the power of life. Um, the last thing we hear from him is that he, he can feel the earth and he can feel how in pain she is because of the things that humanity is doing to her and he wants to save her. And then it's
0: eight months later. <laughs> and. <laughs> I see the splash page you got open.
1: Yeah. And here's where we discover that Deadpool is a member of the Uncanny Avengers and that Spider-Man is not happy with this.
0: (laughs) Yeah, look, the selling point of this book... The selling point of this book is this is the Avengers that Deadpool is in. Yeah. As ridiculous as that is. Yeah. Because otherwise, look, Rick Remenders... It's a similar concept as Rick Remenders' Uncanny Avengers. We're going to put these teams together after a major event to show everybody can work together. The problem is Remender's Uncanny Avengers didn't hook me in all that well either. Remender's a weird writer in that there's some stuff he does that I really like. I've really enjoyed Deadly Class recently, Mm -hmm. and I think he starts books really strong. But he's got a deadline around issue seven, where a lot of the time either I get bored or he spins off into concepts that are completely divorced from whatever the original concept of the book or the character yeah. was. And the example I always give is when he took over on Punisher right after Civil War. Okay. That first issue of The Punisher, where he had Punisher trying to assassinate Norman Osborne, now the head of Shield, it's like, oh my God, I don't that's genius. Why didn't anybody ever do it? And it was a dead solid book. Then right around issue seven, we started to pivot, and eventually we got Frank and Castle. Yeah. Which has nothing to do with what the Punisher is. And no. Hey, I respect the guy for saying, fuck it, I'm going to try new stuff, but it's somewhere around issue seven, he always pivots. Venom. Yeah, like, All okay. right, Flash Thompson is Venom. This is interesting, and this guy, he needs this to walk, and he's trying to deal with the temptations of being Venom, and then he goes to hell. Yeah. It's... Remember, he, he he's got a half life a lot of the time, and it, same thing with Uncanny Avengers. Just at some point, it's uh, it's just not hooking me in. So the overall concept of this is the Avengers where everybody's friends and on the same team it doesn't really work for me. This one has potential in the right up front. It's this has a chance, done right, to be kind of a Justice League International. Yeah. Yeah, you know, almost that. Half an action story, half a workplace comedy. These people don't get along. People are trying to hold the whole thing together while people are coming in and leaving. And in the middle of it all is Deadpool. And I <laughs> love that we're introduced with him screaming Avengers Assemble and Spider-Man saying you can stop Say, I love picturing Deadpool just screaming Avengers Assemble. <laughs> when he, they go into battle, when they walk into the cafeteria, when he's on the toilet. <laughs> I just, I think that's awesome. Having a ponder on the on the toilet. Exactly, a ponder on the porcelain. Avengers <laughs> oh, seppel. Jesus! You want to light a match in there, Deadpool? <laughs> so it's a, I love that concept, and and that to me is the selling point of of this book to start with. Okay, this loose cannon, and it shows that he's having an effect on the lineup right away. Like you said, Spider Man doesn't like it. Spider Man quits. He didn't want to deal with this. Yeah, he's got other shit to do. And Rogue is about ready to. Um <laughs>
1: because she she also has a discussion with Steve about that later in the book, and, yeah and and his response is a little different that time he He said, you know let's, let's give this some time to to work, and if you still think he can't you know work for the team then then you tell me,
0: yeah, but so I mean there's some interesting stuff here, and if they do it along those lines of a justice League international almost workplace comedy, there can be a huge amount of entertainment value in this. Part of the problem with this book, and there were a couple of problems with it, one of which is not anybody's fault, uh, from the creative team, but this, uh, Secret Wars was supposed to be done by now. Right. We don't know how it ends. This book indicates a lot of, a, a lot of points from what should be the new normal that they can't tell us because Secret Wars isn't over yet. Right. So we get, you know, oh, uh, Deadpool is supporting the, se- the, uh, the Uncanny Avengers, with his newfound fame. Well, what newfound fame? I don't know what you're talking about. You know, uh, uh, gee, Spider-Man, I hoped you and I, the Human Torch, could serve together to honor uh, Reed and Sue. Well, we don't know what the fuck happened with Reed and Sue.
1: Well, see, the the newfound fame thing for Deadpool, I just took as Jerry Dugan goofing on the fact that he's been the one that was writing the new Deadpool, which has become ridiculously
0: popular. It's possible, but we don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's as a riff, fine, but there should be some kind of plot or story to support that. Yeah. Beyond just, oh, Deadpool's rich now, I've decided. <laughs> Deadpool's mean, decided. <laughs> they, yeah. So, but it's, it's the nature of, and it's not anybody on this book's fault, but we've seen this happen over and over again, over, the years that we've been doing this show and this website, it happens all the time. All these event books get fucking delayed. Yeah. I can't think of one that came out on time. Civil War got delayed, going back years. You're right. And the problem with Secret Wars is if you're going into something like this, and I've bitched about this in the last couple weeks, I know it. If you're going into this saying, this is a universe rebooting story. Everything literally changes at the end of this. You better fucking ship on time. Yeah. (laughs) Because otherwise, if these come out, now you've confused me. And look, you're not going to lose me as a fucking reader. For Christ's sake... Our hobby is talking about comic books on internet radio. We're going to keep reading them. I've been reading them for years. I love them. I'll keep buying them because I know this will all shake out and eventually we'll figure out what the new normal is. And if we get pissed enough about that, it'll change and something else happens. But it's so fucking frustrating as a reader. Yeah. It happens over and over again. Every event gets delayed. I know I spent five minutes on it last week. I'll spend five minutes on it again until Secret Wars is finally fucking done. But if you're going to do these events, you got to plan them far enough ahead of time. You pull the writer and the artist off the other shit that they're doing. You make it worth their while to do it. Once you have all the issues in hand, you are ready to rock. Yes. I agree. I agree. Because at least back in the day, nobody liked filling artists, but nobody was shy about doing it. Yeah, unless it was a magnum opus thing. Of course, you're not going to get a fill-in artist on The Dark Knight Returns, which was famously late with the last issue, or Watchmen, which was famously wicked late with the last issue. Uh, Planetary. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing with Planetary, but that was creator-owned. Yeah, that was a little bit different. But the, the the looking back to one of the classics of the '80s, The Punisher: Circle of Blood. Yeah. Uh, written by Stephen Grant with art by Mike Zeck until issue four where he fell behind and they brought in a fucking villain guy so they could finish that changed the nature of the punisher for years ran behind. All right, we got to get somebody in to get the thing out on time. Yeah. I, do I want to see that? No. Would that have happened if trade paperbacks were as prevalent as they are now? Probably not.
1: Yeah. So there, you know, there's that, but they, they still need to come up with some sort of plan to, To get things done on time, if they're going to create all of these other interlocking stories that need the first story to be done in its entirety so that they will make sense when they ship.
0: Yeah. I I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. (laughs) I, I know if I don't do my job on time, I'm fired. It's not necessarily, you can't do that with creative people. Maybe build incentives in to hit a certain date. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. What I know is I'm frustrated. Something happened with Reed and Sue. I don't know what happened. I don't know why fucking Deadpool's rich, but I have to take it on faith. Yeah. And why do I have to take it on faith? Somebody fucked up. and wasn't me.
1: <laughs> I, I'm intrigued in this book by what's happening to Rogue. She's reacting poorly to the Terrigen mists, but she, it's not killing her either.
0: Doesn't seem to be killing her. Um...
1: She's got, her her arm looks an awful lot like uh, Deadpool's. Deadpool's, yeah, that,
0: <laughs> that occurred to me. And when we saw somebody, and, and that was, when when you open the issue with, oh, somebody can absorb things through touch, fine, I'll touch him and see what happens. It's not out of the realm of possibility that Rogue decided, all right, well, I'll try to survive by doing this. Yeah. And it didn't work out so good for her. Yep. God knows it didn't work out so good for, uh, for what's-his-name. <laughs> but...
1: <laughs> Um, I like this also. Uh, that Doctor Voodoo runs into ghosts everywhere he goes. So now they've got this the secret he- headquarters in the the basement of a theater that was a, a speakeasy, and so he's having a conversation with a ghost of a,
0: a dead mob gangster. I, I thought that was <laughs> that was pretty cool, and I'm Doctor Voodoo is not a character. I'm you know. Have been in love with and have followed for years. I don't know if this is a new conceit or if it's always been part of the character, but the way it's executed here was interesting and a lot of fun. Yeah. It's, it's weird. And, and it's almost a 50 50 kind of thing for a book that's introducing the normal for this team. They spent a lot of time seemingly introducing every character that everybody already kind of knows except for the ones that people are unfamiliar with. Yeah. We did spend a couple of pages here with Dr. Voodoo, which, okay, helpful, because like I said, I'm not familiar enough that I know whether this is part of his character or not, but okay, you're telling me what he can do. But uh what's it, Synapse? Yep. Yeah, we spent about four panels with her having dinner with Petro before she seized out and made everybody go to Boston. Yeah. So the one character who, yeah, really would be helpful to know a, a lot about her, uh, we really just don't know very much. So it seemed like a weird choice to say, hey, let's spend a whole page with uh, <laughs> with Johnny Storm and Spider-Man, who we know, talking about events we haven't seen yet, but yeah, the brand new character, who uh, is at least far less known than anybody else, uh, we're not going to spend very much time with that.
1: We don't know why she knows to go to Boston. thought that was a bit of a, a hole in this plot.
0: Well, yeah, we have no idea. Yeah. Again, this is a character I've never seen before. Yeah. I don't know what her powers are.
1: That she can interface with brains. That's that's about it. Yeah. Okay. Whatever that means. And so she can, like, like we've always uh, had the the joke kind of about like why Aquaman doesn't actually suck because Grant Morrison decided that he could control any living creature through their basal
0: ganglion. Yeah, that's the only, that was the only time Aquaman was cool up until 1998.
1: That appears to be this girl's power.
0: Yeah, okay. And if we assume the Earth as a living organism, perhaps she touched in on whatever biomorphic, weird fucking thinking field the Earth has. Well, it's something with the pigeons,
1: because she she had to interface with a bunch of pigeons earlier in the book to take down the um, thinly-veiled amazo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Stand well, in. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: Oh, and I can, <laughs> I can see, I can interface with living things, and I, uh, yeah. Please don't go full Animal Man for Christ's sake. But yeah, it's uh, it seems like that had something to do with it. So
1: yeah, well, because then this pigeon comes by and and squawks at her, and that's when she seizes, <laughs> and it's it has nothing to do with Pietro like roofing or drink or anything.
2: I um. think.
0: fire. Power of God or something. Or something. Or something. It it seemed like an odd choice to me. Hey, let's spend spend more time with characters we're familiar with than the one we have no idea about. And it could be a conscious choice that pays off. That just sort of hit me a little bit.
2: Yeah.
1: So, yeah, at the end, we're introduced to the big bad who calls himself the Shredded Man. And we don't know if he is one of the um, in humans that were revealed at the beginning of the book, or if he 's something else entirely, he seems to have the power to create life, but the life appears to be soulless based on dr voodoo 's uh,
0: scans yeah it's i mean the smart money is it 's one of the two in humans we saw early in the issue, maybe not yeah, but yeah i mean look it's it 's not a bad book there 's potential here if Dugan commits. To the full-on uh, okay, let's have a dysfunctional team that argues and bickers and get a little bit of that Justice League International vibe going on. Yep, particularly with Deadpool in the middle of it. I would love to see Deadpool just acknowledge he's in a comic book. Oh yeah, which he's he's done in every other comic book he's been in. But talk about the team dynamics. Say, oh, we're going full JLI. The fucking Deadpool the shit out of this book.
1: And I'm I'm sure that we'll probably get there. I think it's possible that Dugan was trying to be a little bit more restrained with that, if only because it, it's very easy for him to write Deadpool. It's, yeah. it's an ensemble book.
0: Yeah. And being a little bit uh, – showing showing a light hand with that does make a lot of sense, but doesn't mean I don't want to see it. Yeah. And, yeah, if we can – like I said, I'm a huge Justice League International fan Give me a Marvel Justice League International. You know, God knows Giffen Dematteis tried it with the Defenders back in the early 2000s, and it never, it didn't quite work out, even as a miniseries. This is a brand new team. It's a similar kind of thing. You're coming straight out of a reboot. Yeah. You've got one or two A-listers and a bunch of B-listers. I'm gonna have fun with it.
1: Right. Right. So. I, I'm enjoying it. I'll, I'll I'll continue to read it. I do want more information about the Synapse character, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. But I'll continue to give it a chance because there's it's 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 tricky. There's potential there, but the potential is for this thing that I want that nobody else necessarily wants. Yeah. So if it doesn't do that, will it be enough? If it is just a solid action book with some fun Deadpool shit, eh, maybe.
1: I I can't imagine, though, that he'll go that route. Deadpool has his own title.
0: Yeah. All right. But, you know, right right after Crisis, Blue Beetle and (laughs) Booster Gold had their own titles. That's true. So. That's true. But this is not Crisis, so uh, just because I want it. We're not
1: sure what this is. It would be really nice if Secret Wars would, you know, finish.
0: (laughs) Yeah, finish Secret Wars for Christ's sake. <laughs> I'm tired of first issues. I can't really talk about because I don't know who's there or why.
1: Yes. Although I found it interesting. This is just a, another observation. When Peter quits, he had made some comment about how he has to get back to his gig being the the bodyguard for Peter Parker at uh, Parker Industries. It's like, really, you don't think Steve Rogers doesn't know who you are? Like
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, the conceit ever since uh, One More Day has been, oh, everybody's forgotten. Okay. But with that said, we talked about it last week when we talked about Amazing Spider-Man. It's Everybody knows that fucking Iron Man did that same gag. And it t- of course, people are going to think that. Yeah. That's what I expect to see. It's like, dude, you're really Peter Parker, aren't you? I'd love to see that in, in Amazing Spider-Man. People just start saying, I assume that you're him. Right. Because that's how it worked out before. Right. You know, even with Prowler. You know, going around in the costume to show. Oh no, they're not in the same place at the same time. It's uh, it's probably another dude, right? Because particularly in the internet age, somebody would come up with a conspiracy theory of No, look, there's this Spider-Man who is out in Beijing, and there's this shitty Spider-Man who can't joke and <laughs> can be hit from behind, <laughs> and is two inches shorter or something. Yeah,
1: he walks with a limp. Yeah, so <laughs> oh, he dresses to the left. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it doesn't dress to the left it's, just, it's how you dangle
1: oh oh yes i, I don't know i don't have that part yeah
0: if i wore pants like spider-man you'd know okay to the left by the way <laughs> so yeah there's it, it's weird there's potential with this book but I, I see that potential being in oh but i really want a modern version of this and it's not necessarily going to be that but i'm kind of hopeful
1: there's there's the potential. Dugan Dugan can write a good humor-filled book.
0: Yes, he can. So we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. All right. Anything else on this one, or should we wrap it up?
1: I think we should wrap it up. I think we have a nebulous document to look
0: for. Uh, trust me. I'll find it in that thing. <laughs> that thing in that place?
1: Yes. Is it with D's? <laughs>
0: I'm not falling for it. I'm not doing it on the air. D's? <laughs> D's nuts! <No. laughs>
2: You're 12.
0: Uh, <laughs> and I encourage you. And I appreciate that. So, yes, once again, there should be a show next week. Uh, the week after that, uh, yeah, we'll either be moving or homeless, depending on if we can find that document. <laughs> so, but either way.
2: Yes. Oh, Christ, I had a brain seize.
0: Okay. Okay. So, yes. I we'll, blame Synapse. We'll wrap things up. Don't know how you found this episode, but you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. Uh, if you want to reach us, you can email us, crisisoninfinitemidlives at com. We are on Facebook. Uh, we certainly get messages through there, and we keep trying to do more with it, but uh, I'm looking for that thing. <laughs> but yes, facebook.com slash crisisoninfinitemidlives. We are on Tumblr, Tumblr crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, and if you do get this show through there, do us a favor, give us a review. Give us a rating. helps other people find the show. It's nice to hear what people think. Yes. Uh, we are on TuneIn Radio, and we are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. And I think that is it. This has been Episode 90 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. And I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening, and Dirk, Don't look at me like that unless you have that fucking document, because <laughs> I don't know what the fuck they want. Let's go look for it. <laughs> Yeah, first I'll check to see if it's with my beer.